Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, good morning, Access Church. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, It'll be great to ask that question in person, which we're going to be doing soon, and I'll be talking a little bit more about that. But before we get going with the, uh, the morning, with worship, continue our series on Born to Lose, Live to Win. I uh, just want to let you know a few things. One is we're not going live, uh, obviously, today. We needed to pre-record just because of some scheduling things, but we'll be back at it the following week. So if you want to come out to the Coveley Ranch, join us, be part of that live audience. Uh, go ahead and just let me know. You can email me at brian at gotoaccesschurch.com. And so uh, people are wondering, like, is it some exclusive club? No, it's just kind of a loose invitation. So, uh, But let us know so we can monitor. We also do a little lunch afterwards hang out. And so we want to make sure that uh, everybody's good there. So let us know. But we're off this Sunday and then next week and we'll be back on it. Also, VIP, the meetings are happening uh, the third and fourth week of August. We have some options for you. And so you should have received an email if you're an Access VIP. If uh, you're Access VIP and you did not get an email, please let us know. Contact Laura Lee at Laura Lee at go to accesschurch.com and uh, she'll get a hold of you and get you the invite to that. That's going to be super important and uh, look over that email, reply back to us quickly because we're gonna be in these small groups and we have limited spots, though we have multiple nights, but this is really important for us as we look forward to relaunching and also just making sure we're on the same page and making sure that as someone who has skin in the game that uh, supports access, loves access, that you have a voice in uh, kind of what's going on. So this can be a great night. We're looking forward to getting together. And again, there's all kinds of options there with, uh, with how we do that. So make sure you get that email. And if you're not Access VIP, you want to be, go to our website, check that out and see what the requirements are and what it means to be a part of that. Lastly, I want to let you know, we got some encouraging news. Uh, we, the trailer and the truck, as I shared, I think a few weeks ago, uh, someone wanted to borrow them. And as a church, hey, we give. Uh, if the, you know, God said, take the shirt off your back, give it to someone. So someone enjoyed at least the truck for a little bit and they crashed it. We got it back, but it's working. And so uh, we're just super stoked about that. We don't have the trailer. We're still praying about that, but we have the truck. Uh, But we think that's a sign from God, or we're going to take that as a sign. But we want to let you know that starting in September, we are going to be re-engaging and in a sense relaunching as a church. And then definitely by October, fully re-engaging as far as uh, small groups, home groups, as far as a service. We're looking at uh, an outdoor uh, experience at the beginning just to kind of begin to phase in. But we're going to let you know more about that. So be checking your emails. I'll be doing some email blasts. Also, I'll be posting on our Facebook group, informing you what's going on. So just make sure you're paying attention to that. And so you can kind of stay informed. And when we're kind of relaunching, re-engaging, I'm going to be explaining more about that, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, when we're doing it, all that stuff that's coming up. So just make sure you're kind of uh, watching the Facebook page, watching the emails. And uh, so you're kind of on the same page with us. You know what's going on. All right. With that said, looking forward to this morning. So Stephen's going to start us off. The Hanleys, they get a weekend off. And so Stephen's going to be leading us in worship. So enjoy, and I'll see you in a few moments. Well, with my youngest learning to drive, got me reflecting on, um, in fact, we were talking in the car about uh, just getting your permit and driving and what that was like back in, I think I got mine in 1988. And things were a little bit different. Now we have to pay for driving school, which I don't know if you remember. But uh, back in the day, uh, schools offered it. 
And I remember we used to have to watch some horrible films. I don't even know. I don't even think the kids have to watch anymore, but it was called like Red Asphalt and stuff like that, where they pretty much tried to scare you into driving, uh, to driving good. But I don't know if that worked, but uh, they used scare tactics. But they also, the teacher would take us, take us out in these small groups. And, and uh, I was telling my daughter that, um, that one time I was, I was parked and uh, I put it in reverse. And so I, I tried to go through all the checkoff list, put my seatbelt on and looked in the mirrors, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously I'm nervous and um, I got my friends in the back seat. And so uh, not wanting them to make fun of me. And so I put it in reverse and I was expecting the car to go, right? You put it in reverse, it should go. And, and I wasn't the first one to drive. So I think one of my friends already had driven. So I know the car worked and man, and I was revving the engine just, oh, man, I was looking at the teacher and he kind of looked ambivalent, like, eh, you know, whatever. And I was just like, and I kind of just looked at everything and looked at the gears and put it back in and put it back into reverse and it wouldn't go. And I was revving it. And then, uh, I kind of dawned on me. I was so nervous, but I wasn't paying attention, but my friends were laughing. <laughs> so once I noticed they were laughing, I'm like, ah, what's going on here? And then the teacher started laughing and well, he put the emergency brake on. And so here's dum dum trying to reverse. And I'm so nervous, not even thinking about the emergency brake. And uh, they were, they were cracking up. So he goes, Hey, you got to take your emergency brake off. And uh, I was thinking about that when I was preparing the sermon this week about how many of us kind of live life that way. We're pressing on the gas pedal. Like we want to go, we want to live for God. We want to go all out and the engine's revving, but we wonder why we're not kind of going anywhere. We're just stuck. And in some ways, we can live with the emergency brake on. And that resistance keeps us from really moving forward. Today, I wanna to talk about losing intentionally. The series we're in as far as born to lose, live to win. I wanna talk about intentional loss that, that any athlete knows and anyone that's successful knows that you have to be willing to lose certain things in order to achieve a goal. And that can be difficult as a, as a Christian. Um, one of the things we see in scripture from the beginning is Jesus talked about this. He's like, listen, you're, you're, you're going to lose if you're going to follow me. Uh, I think the first week we started this series, uh, Matthew um, 16, 25 through 26 uh, talks about that. Uh, also, Matthew 5, and we'll be looking at that passage, talks about that, you know, in order to live for God, are you willing to... Jesus was using hyperbole, but he said, are you willing to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye if, if it's causing you to sin and it's keeping you for living from God? So we read these, but we kind of just gloss over them. And I kind of want to just take some time and really look at these passages as far as being intentional and what we lose and making sure that we're losing the right things and not losing the wrong things when it comes to really winning and succeeding in our walks with God. If you have your Bibles, um, Hebrews chapter 12, and just so you know, I use a lot of different versions. Um, so I'll use sometimes the NIV, the NLT, the ESV. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. It's just, uh, there's different groups of Christians that might, they translate it pretty much the same, but they might just tweak little words that that make more sense maybe to them or to the audience they're writing to. And so, um, so I might be doing that. But Hebrews chapter 12, one through two is a passage we're gonna kind of base our time off of today. And I'll be reading out of the NLT. And it says this, therefore, since we have, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. So Hebrews chapter uh, 11 is 
is known as um, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it's a chapter really encouraging people and defining what faith is and living that. It's really about faith. It's about trust, not about what you see, but about who you know, trusting who God is uh, from the history throughout the Bible to just in our own lives. And so what he's saying in chapter 12 is, therefore, since there's so many people that have lived by faith and they're our example, he says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And so we have this vision, right? That that in order to really succeed in your walk with God, you want to keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's really important because many times I find that we have our eyes on so many other things or other people. Right, We glance at Jesus, but we don't keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes maybe on ourselves. And so we become obsessed with even our own faith and our own sin. And we're, we're so self-obsessed that our eyes are on us, not on Jesus, who's the perfect of our faith. So he's further down the road, kind of pointing us in the direction we should be going. And, and when your eyes aren't in front of you, anybody knows that if you race, if you ride bikes, if you run, that if you're looking straight down, you're going you're gonna to stumble, you're going to fall. You got to look ahead where the finish is. And Jesus is our finish line. As far as relationally, he's our finish line, but also he's the finish line as far as who we want to be. We want to be like him. But he talks about that in the midst of that race, that there's weight we can accumulate, right? That emergency break. There's something that's slowing us down. He says, you have to be intentional as you look at Jesus to strip things off that entangle you. Or other versions read that that weigh you down. And why? Well, because when you're entangled in something, you can't really focus very well, right? If you're if you're entangled, if something's weighing you down, uh, you tend to take your eyes off of what's maybe the goal. Uh, this reminded me when um, this was years ago. I believe I was uh, just like north of La Jolla, and and there was a the seaweed bed and. And I was kayaking down there and just enjoying. I had my eyes up where I should, you know, at the coast and the animals and the things like that. And, and I was, uh, I remember I wanted to kayak from one beach to another. And, uh, and then I was going to come back. And uh, I got caught up in some seaweed. And it was so frustrating because I, I couldn't get it off my, my paddle. And I had, the, you know, the oars and, and, uh, and I couldn't get it off. And, and so what happened is as I was trying to get it off, I was frustrated and I was entangled. And all of a sudden I, I took my eyes off of where I was going. And, and then I just began to kind of float away. My eyes aren't focused on where I was going. I was floating away because I was entangled and I was, ah, it was, I couldn't get where I wanted to be and I was frustrated. Kind of reminds me sometimes that maybe where we're feeling right now, right? Where we feel entangled by certain sin, whether it's our own sin or the sin of others or the sin of this world. And this pastor reminding us that, listen, you got to lose it. You got to drop it. You got to get rid of it, as the Bible says, so you can freely paddle. You can get your eyes back on where you're going and you can actually move forward. Being intentional with losing things that don't help us, with losing things that that bring us down is is really important. And I want to just kind of think about that today. I want us to kind of slow down 
and saying, are, are we living with this weight that maybe we haven't really, uh, it's a man, that we haven't really thought about is, is weighing down our faith and is stopping us from moving forward the way God wants us to. One of the first things that Jesus talked about is, it's in Matthew 16, and I referenced that earlier, Matthew 16, 25 through 26. This mindset of, of loss is, is important, but it's hard. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 25 through 26. He says, if anyone would come after me, and that come after me is, is, a, is an athletic turn. It's, it's the, uh, our term. It's the race, right? If you're going to come after Jesus, if you're going to race, if you're going to have that run, right, where he's the finish line, it says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, whoever would save his life will lose it. So in order to save our lives, we have to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, they will actually find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? So we see from the beginning of our faith that, that we're going to lose. Now, to lose yourself is a difficult thing. I know it's kind of like a religious term, right? But it's kind of hard because if we're honest, I think for some of us, we kind of like who we are or we're just comfortable with who we are and we don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose my certain behaviors or certain mindsets or you know, whether it's personality or whether it's, well, I grew up in my family and this is the way it was. And so, so I think what's hard is that we know that there's a life that God has for us, but it's kind of scary when you don't know, exa know exactly what that looks like, right? And so this loss of myself can be a difficult thing. I think it's good for us to, to stop as a church and say, are we willing to lose whatever it takes in order to get Christ and become like Christ? Because that's the essence of, he says, if, if you don't, if you're unwilling, that's fine. You're going you're gonna to gain this world, but you're going to lose your soul in the end. And that's where our eyes are. Our eyes are on the end game, the prize. The prize is eternity. The prize is Jesus. The prize is um, life with him, imperfection, where there are no weights. There's nothing entangling us, but there's a process to get there. And we have to lose ourselves Jesus says, I know when I first became a Christian, this was, this was really hard. I, I grew up in a family and I would even say my personality is, I naturally like the argument. I like to be argumentative. And I really struggled with the passages that talked about peacemaking. Of that, blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they will, they will inherit the kingdom. And that we're called to be peacemakers. I didn't grow up with a lot of peace. So you had to learn to battle. You had to learn to argue. You had to learn to fight, right? Then I became a Christian and I got confronted quickly with, am I willing to lose that? I, it was really, I saw it in a really vivid way when even as a Christian, so I'm proclaiming to love Christ. And, and I've shared this many times, but in college, man, I would debate. I would debate people left and right about God and philosophy and religion. And I saw myself as this warrior for Christ, debating and beating everybody and showing them how wrong they are, that they could turn their lives around. And you know, after about two years in community college of doing that, I would just debate teachers, anybody, didn't matter. And I, if I'm honest, probably winning a lot of those arguments. 
I had one teacher that asked me to leave the class because she kind of fumbled her words and I kind of showed that she didn't really know what she was talking about. She asked me to leave. You could see the emotion there. And I walked out and just in this arrogance of like, yeah, the truth won. And this conviction of that's something that needs to go. That that's actually not something of God. And here's where the fruit of it really showed was that in those years, there wasn't one person that wanted to come to church that I went to. And there wasn't one person that's like, you know what? I want to follow the God that you follow because obviously God has changed your life. Jesus needed me to lose that argumentative. And I could justify being like, well, the Bible talks about truth and, and I need to be a defender of truth and, and uh, whatever it might be. But there was no fruit there. There was no godly fruit. And as I lost that argumentative and became a peacemaker, what I noticed, I was more fruitful in my evangelism. I was more fruitful in, in people wanting to come to church. I was just more fruitful in my relationships. Everything that God wants us to lose is because he has something better for us. And so am I willing to just trust God, this faith, right? That we live by faith and trust God that whatever he asks me to lose, that whatever I gain is better through, through him. And Jesus says that this is a constant part of our lives. Whether it's losing something or losing certain people that aren't good for us, whatever it might be, that we can trust him, even if it's hard, it's worth the loss for what we gain through him. And so that's something to ponder today for us. Losing myself, losing my motives, what motivates me, losing certain behaviors, losing the way I interact with people, losing the way I see things, losing the way and, and just losing it but here's the thing is if I lose it, I need to gain something in Christ that he wants to fill that vacuum. Ephesians 4 talks about this, 4, 17 through 24. Talks about this kind of mindset, this intentionality. Paul says in 17, he goes, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. And so he's, he's talking about a life that's separated from God is when you separate yourself from God either just willingly or you begin to wander, it's easy because your heart just begins to harden. It, it begins to harden towards God. It begins to harden towards the things of, of God. And then we see the fruit of that with these behaviors. But this is what he encourages the church in Ephesus with. He says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him with the accordance of the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, or the Greek, the little word is to set aside, to put down which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. So I take off my old self and put on the new self created to be like God. This is something that's really important for us. We weren't created just to know God. We were created to be like God. That's how we best represent God. So as I put off my old self, 
I receive the new self as far as, and that's who Jesus was. Jesus was the new person, the new man, the scripture says. Adam was the old one. Jesus was the new one as far as really showing us how to live. But we can't live either for Christ or like Christ if I want to hold on to my old self. Hold on to the old ways of doing things. And I can justify it. Well, it's not that bad. It doesn't hurt that many people. I can still go to church. I can still worship. I can still read my Bible without putting those old things down. And that's why the goal each day isn't just to read your Bible. The goal each day isn't just to like cry during worship or to, to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's not the goal. Those are, those are processes along the way to get us to the goal, but it is to be like Jesus. That's a great day when I can lay down and I wasn't myself and I was like Christ. I resisted myself. I put off my old self, which there's an intentionality there. It doesn't just kind of happen. Just by reading the Bible, it's not going to happen. That's why James 1 says, don't just read the word, obey. You have to take that step. And that's the beauty of the scriptures. The scriptures help us to do that, right? 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and helpful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, getting rid of the old, putting on the new. And so he says, that we are to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self created like God in true righteousness and holiness. This life we live is one where we throw away certain things and add on new certain things. It's, it's kind of like what we just did in our house. A constant thing in our faith is um, where we just did some spring cleaning. You know, where you look at your closet and, and you're like, why do we even have these clothes? And you take out, you put into a bag, you purposely say, I'm done with this. You're just cluttering up the, you know, the closet. It's of no use to me. Let me just put that away and let me put in some new clothes, the clothes that I like or that fit well, or right? It's that spring cleaning. But again, we resist loss because whatever I have of my old self, sometimes I'm just comfortable with. And it's hard to say goodbye to anything, even if it's not good for me. I remember a while ago, this was years, this was like 10, 12 years ago, but I, I, uh, I saw a picture of myself and it was very unflattering. And I'm like, what the heck? Seeing myself in the marriage day, I didn't realize um, how I let things go as far as my eating habits and not working out and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was unhealthy. It was not good. But I had to be intentional. And, and the hardest thing was um, just refined sugars, Cokes, eating out a lot. At the time, I was eating out all the time. And uh, even though I knew it was bad for me, it was just like I, I craved it. And here's what was interesting is I became very intentional with what I ate. And get rid of those, get rid of those old things were very, very difficult. Even though I knew it was good for me, it was very, very difficult because I'd become addicted to it. My body craved it. And it took about two to three weeks. And here's what was interesting is literally my taste, bus, uh, taste buds changed. It, it was crazy. Every day I wanted a Coke, every day. Every day I, I just enjoyed drinking soda, which is just one of the worst things that we could do, right, for our bodies. And uh, I just thought I couldn't live without it. And it was amazing after a few weeks, uh, all of a sudden I didn't even crave it anymore. It took a little while, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, I, I, I changed my craving. 
And here's what was interesting. Then a few months later, it was actually the taste was almost repulsive. It was too much sugar. It's like, then I didn't even like it. I think it's the same way in our walk with God. That there's certain sins, there's certain sins, whether internally or externally, that we just kind of crave. We get a high off of, we're just used to it. It kind of works for us. And we can't imagine craving something different, right? We're so used to lashing out. We can't imagine just being quiet and praying for our enemies. We're so used to just not being in control of our desires and being impulsive or uh, being greedy, um, whatever it might be, or not telling the truth and bending the truth. We're just so used to it that we can't imagine living life without it. But sin damages us, right? It damages our soul, just like sugar damages our body, or at least refined sugar in that way. What happens is when you begin to put off and you add new what God asks you to replace, the healthy spiritual things, right? It takes a few weeks. You'll miss it. You'll want to lash out or you'll want to lust or you'll want to lie or you'll want to be greedy still, but you resist those desires and you intentionally put off and you add new. And all of a sudden the craving begins to go away. And then a few months later, it actually repulses you to even go back to that old behavior or that old mindset. And so cleaning out, getting rid of those old things. What is it for us? What is it for us that we've let kind of creep in? Or maybe we haven't been intentional in certain things of our old ways of doing things. And sometimes we can get rid of it and then we let it creep back in. And all of a sudden the cravings come back and then we get used to it and we feel like we need it. How do we live where we look at Jesus and saying, the end goal isn't just to know Jesus, but like Paul said, running the race, it's to be like Jesus. And knowing that we're not like Jesus, that there's going to be things that we need to get rid of in order to be like him. And here's what I talked about even I think last week is we have to make room for Jesus. I, I think many of us, we like Jesus, but we don't make room for him in our life. And how do we make room? We get rid of the clutter. It's like cleaning the closet, as I just said. Clean out the old clothes and let Jesus kind of put those new clothes, that new wardrobe in there to where we dress differently. He dresses us. So taking this time, what am I willing to lose for Jesus? To be like Jesus. That's what I want to do today. Real simple. Born to lose because we're born to sin. We're born to crave things that aren't healthy, but live to win, which means I get rid of those things and I live in a way where I add on the things of Christ. I think it's good to say, what are those one or two things maybe that God, it's weighing me down? And all of us maybe have different weights that weigh us down, different things that entangle us, right? I know for me, just simple things of like, even some things I watch on TV or I watch on the internet. And I'm not even talking like bad things. I remember when I got rid of watching the Lakers, I used to watch them all the time. But it was one of those things that God asked me, it's just like, get, that's hours every day or every other day that you could be doing other things. Or I, I noticed, you know what I noticed is I got entangled as far as if the Lakers lost, this sounds so dumb, I'm a grown adult, but if the Lakers lost, like my attitude would actually change the next day. Or I found myself that that was the topic of all conversations. And here's the thing, those are not the deep, beautiful things of life. Who cares about the Lakers? Who cares? Who cares about sports? 
Those aren't the deep, precious, good things of life. And so God's saying, get rid of that. I've got something else to add into your heart and to your soul. It could be something as simple as what we watch, how we speak. It could be something internally that nobody sees, but it's weighing us down. It's weighing down my heart to know God, to become like God, to represent God. So maybe as we sing, as we do some worship, these last few songs, we just present that to Jesus. We say this specific thing, God, it's weighing me down. It's entangling me and I'm losing my vision for you. I'm losing my passion for you. I'm honestly losing becoming like you and I look more like the world. I care more about what the world cares about. And I'm actually craving it. I'm losing that craving for God. We might need some help along the way. This is where it's good, where we struggle sometimes to strip off certain things and add those new things. And that's where, you know, again, professional counseling, meeting with a mentor, finding a Christian who maybe has further down the road. This is where getting in the word of God. Maybe I want to strip something off, but I don't know what to add in. And the Bible is the primary source of adding those things into our life to become Christ-like. A little while ago, I was outside and Bailey was pawing at something. And so I went over and she, she found a lizard. It was a pretty cute lizard. Uh, we have some big lizards around us, but this is a pretty cute one, kind of like the Geico lizard. And uh, she was pawing at it and the lizard was a little bit trapped. We had some, some uh, I don't know if it was dirt or sort of sticks over here. And so um, for some reason, the lizard was kind of going back and forth, but the lizard got out, but Bailey put her paw down and uh, took the tail off. And the lizard ran up the wall then, but the lizard looked back, it was crazy. The lizard looked back and saw that it lost its tail. And the lizard went back to its tail to retrieve the tail, is that nuts? Like Bailey was ready to eat that thing. And in my mind, I'm like, stupid lizard, you're gonna get eaten. Like losing that tail just saved you, like get out. But the lizard came back. And the, here's the craziest part of the story, absolute nuttiest part of the story. It's not true, the lizard didn't come back. That's what the nuttiest part of the story. What do you think the lizard did? The lizard ran off. It was like, peace out sucker, I'm alive, it's gone. Why did the lizard not care? Well, here's the thing, it grows a new tail, it's okay. Lose that tail, you're alive, you're gonna grow a new one. But here's what I was thinking about. Many of us, we lose something and we go back and we try to retrieve it and we get devoured. We get devoured by that very thing. And I, to me, it was just kind of a clear illustration as far as we're, I just feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to me, it's like, that's how what humans are like. We lose a tail, we think we're never gonna re regrow another one, and we try to go get the old tail. It's gone, it's done, let it go. What you go back for will devour you. And so I just wanna encourage you, I know it's a weird illustration, I know it's a crazy illustration, but, it's kind of just like, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, what God has for us, when we lose certain things, it's, it's the way he's made that lizard. The way he made lizards is, in order for you to survive, you're gonna lose certain things, but you'll regrow. And I think it's the same thing in our walk with God. Whatever you lose, whatever God is asking you to get rid of, just trust him. That way he's gonna grow in its place is even better. You don't have to go back to your old ways. 
even though you trust it, even though as you look back, you're like, ah, but I don't see a tail immediately. What if it never comes back? I'm gonna be a lizard without a tail. <laughs> I know I'm taking this illustration too long, but uh, but you see what I'm saying? We're, we're like that. What God's asking us to do is just let it go. Because going back for it will kill you. It'll kill you spiritually. It'll kill you relationally. It'll kill you in every way. Let it go. God's created it to break off and let him regrow something new in your life. So we're just going to have a time of worship right now. And I just encourage you to kind of think about that. Born to lose, live to win. I'm going to lose certain things. And here's the thing. Make sure we lose the right things in life and not the wrong things. As Matthew 5 says, if your hand's causing you to sin, if your eye's causing you to sin, I know it's a hyperbole, but Jesus says, cut the hand off, gouge out the eye. As crazy as that sounds, it's causing you to sin and you can get rid of that. And it helps you to run the race for God towards him and to be like him. It's better to show up to heaven with one eye and one hand than to not be with Jesus and to have both eyes and both hands. So maybe we be a church that's willing to lose, but losing the right things the right way for the glory of Christ and for our own benefit. Let me pray. Pray for you. Pray for us as a church. Then we'll get into worship. Jesus, I pray that that we be willing to give up certain things, give up maybe in certain relationships, give up certain mindsets, certain motives, certain ways of doing things, God. Knowing that when you fill it in, you grow something new and beautiful that's good for us. That when we get rid of certain sins, that we don't have to mourn losing ourselves because we can rejoice that we're becoming like you. And what that brings into our life and how we can represent you but also how that pleases you, God. So I pray that, that we'd strip off those things that we know are entangling us, those behaviors that weigh us down, that we'd be okay sharing that with others and being prayed for and confessing and repenting and, and being intentional and making time, making space, God, for you to reclothe us into something new, into something beautiful. So I pray that for all of us, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.